Science fiction double feature. You should just make Semi Fredo. Uh, no. Why not? Why do you say like that? Why do you say uh no? Uh, because I thought about this ice cream that I'm eating right now, and thought about how much effort it would take to produce a Semi Fredo version of this. Okay, so. And then I said no. So tell me what it is, and why would that be so difficult? It's um. Caramel cheesecake ice cream with cheesecake pieces and chocolate cookie swirls. Caramel cheesecake icing. What? Ice cream. Ice cream. Yeah. Okay, with? With cheesecake pieces and chocolate cookie swirls. Now, chocolate cookie squirrel, swirls, swirls, I could okay, do that. Okay, we're, we're having problems. This is a late night guess. Chocolate cookie swirls, I could do that. Yeah. But cheesecake Co- bites, I don't know. Cheesecake bites, I mean, you could just get a cheesecake. You don't have to make one. You could probably get, you could probably actually get cheesecake bites. Yeah, you can also get ice cream. I mean, semi Fredo is different. It's like it's airier. It's it's so good. I, I I wanted to. I should have made some for you, but instead I made three things that went wrong. Do you mean like soft serve? It, it's is it like soft it, serve? It's it's between. It's not like soft serve. It's definitely like it's more dairy than soft serve. Like it it has that it has that dairy full um that that you know that that dairy note on your dairy tongue but that airy. that full da- it's dairy but airy. It is dairy but airy. Dairy but airy sounds like a. It, it's a kind of a Jeremy Bar- character. I know it kind of sounds like Jeremy Barry. It kind of sounds like what the a, a time that you would use to gauge the movement of the universe, like a mm. a measurement of time. Uh, uh, it was it wasn't a full Jeremy Barry, but it was a full dairy but airy. Or or alternatively, a, um, a lactose intolerant superhero. Mm. Like her, yeah. like her main thing is that like it's not her main thing. Because she figures out how to live with it, but but um, I feel like dairy, but dairy, but dairy. dairy is actually like um, she drinks milk and then gets the power to fly. Okay, so so <laughs> so you're going the you're going the other way with it. Yeah, you're, dairy, but dairy, da- dairy, but dairy. Okay, so she so the milk is what gives her power. I mean, we're kind of writing like if big milk is out there and they want us to write something, I feel like we could. I, we're halfway to a fun new Marvel character that kind of. Is like, um, you know, there's nothing wrong with cows, milk. Come on, it's American, you know. Just Dude, drink I some. I watched the boys. I watched the boys. Milk is very American. Milk is very American. <laughs> no one can argue that. I'm eating ice cream. I'm drinking beer. I got a, I, I got a toasted, a blue point toasted lager. I can do that because this is my show. It's not sponsored, so I can have it ice is. cream whenever I want. It can be um, sponsored though. I mean, I, I feel just like... finished a, a southern tier. Lakeshore fog. I've always wanted to. I think that um, I would be obviously a bad politician because I've, 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 I've. I'm on record on this podcast of saying that um, I'm extremely corruptible, and that if anyone gave us money to shill for something, I, I would do it right away without any sort of, you know what I mean? Like I wouldn't even question. I feel it. like it wouldn't be very hard for us to get sponsorships if we put in like the smallest modicum of effort. I feel like just the fact that we've been doing this for so long, we could show this to someone and be like, look, we're legit. You know? Yeah. I mean, at some point you have to just be like, like I've thought that too of like people, if someone tried to ask like, well, what's your viewership or like, you know, how many, like, what's the, you know, uh, what's your demographics that you're reaching? Um, I would be like, well, there's fucking 300 of them. So there's someone, (laughs) someone, right? There's Someone's a lot of listening them. listening to this. Someone's listening to it, but that's neither Thanks. here nor video game. Thanks for listening to our uh, ice cream podcast. Oh, shit. Let me get my... Hold on. One second. Roland, because I just need to um, turn around to grab my, my book. And now I have my book. 
Hey viewers. Um, Welcome to WTDG Late Night Edition. So, uh, for, whoa, for the week of May the 1st be with you. So you know, close. you could just say it because I feel like it, I don't know if May it'll the even fourth, come out. May, May the 4th be, with, be you. with you. Or um, have you been have you been getting into any uh, Star Wars related? How are you going to celebrate uh, May 4th? How am I going to celebrate are you gonna May 4th? Play, uh, Lego I'm going to Star Wars. I'm going to be at work. I am going to play Breath of the Wild probably. Um, I might play some mobile games and um, I'll think about it. I'll think about Star Wars. You like Star Wars? I like Star Wars. Uh, I I grew up with Star Wars. I Star Wars the I we had the um the original trilogy four five and six on VHS. So I used to watch that like on repeat in the way that a kid would. Like I would just watch you know a New Hope like six times in a row, and then that would be my day. Um, so I I grew up with Star Wars. I the way I feel about Star Wars is that I think that like George Lucas never did the best job with it, and I think that Disney is a good company to own it, but I don't know if they're doing a fantastic job with it either. Have you watched The Mandalorian? I think The Mand... For, I, I actually haven't watched it's The Mandalorian because I don't have um, Disney+, Plus. but The Mandalorian, from what I've seen a couple episodes, and it feels to me like the best thing that Star Wars has ever done because it's... Um, to me, the vibe that I got from the first, like, half... the half of the first season was that it was more, like samurai jack where the pacing was yeah. very slow and star wars has always kind of needed something to be able to breathe in that universe um it's hard when when a movie is coming out you know years apart and the movie is an hour to two hours it's kind of hard to have those slow moments and 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 really just you know take in the incredible sights and sounds and creatures and ideas in Star Wars. Like people, I think that most people who like Star Wars would agree that George Lucas is really good at creating the world, but he wasn't always great at directing it or telling stories in it. Like, I mean, some people might not realize this, but like, I think George, like George R. R. Martin, uh, George Lucas, like George R. R. Martin in Elden Ring. Yeah. George Lucas did. I think he did direct a new hope, but he didn't direct um uh empire strikes back or return of the jedi so mm. so like he didn't have as much of a hand he he did some he had, i think he had writing credits but he didn't have as much of a hand as he did in the, the prequels where he kind of just like went bonkers but i do feel like the mandalorian is very good i like that neutral like i know that not everyone does but i thought they were fun I thought they were a spectacle. That's what I go there for. Yeah, I, I think that they were a spectacle, and there was some cool aspects of the new trilogy. Um, but I think overall, I, I think the the most frustrating thing to me is that very much like Game of Thrones, the 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 um the the HBO series, uh, the the first and second epi the first and second uh whatever it is seven and eight are it feels like there's a lot of inconsistencies and that they're building to something greater. And then in nine, it falls so flat uh, that it's yeah, I like didn't see nine that it, it goes. So it's that's one of those. My that's my secret. It's kind of one of those retroactive things where where because yeah. I, I tried to watch. I don't know if you've done this, but I tried to rewatch Game of Thrones. Have you done that? No. no. So so w the first time you're watching it's Game of disappointing Thrones. Disappointing to think about that when uh, knowing that it didn't end correctly. I, I also have this thing where if a show is canceled before it gets a real ending, I won't watch that show. I mean, I understand why. Uh, like, because I, I, I remember the, the way that I remember and the way that probably most people would tell you about Game of Thrones, because whenever I've talked to people, I've gotten this kind of, kind of same thing where the first 
three or four seasons are like the writing is such a high level and what the characters are talking about is so interesting and that they can make you know political intrigue better than almost anyone else and and, and having rewatched it I, I don't know if it's i'm disillusioned because of how bad the ending is but it's not as good and, and maybe yeah. pa- maybe partially right. some of it is that a portion of your brain is saying like this is going somewhere like oh man everything in this series means something and it's going somewhere and then to see that none of it goes anywhere is like then then any of those like kind of throwaways or any of those lines that are like we are gonna have to you know at some point we're gonna have to deal with the night king it's like no don't worry about it you know aria jumps on him and like stabs him or something i don't know it's it's like really not a difficult thing don't worry about it um so like it just never uh ned stark actually said like uh Night, the um, what did he say? Like the White Walkers are like a joke. Don't worry about them. Yeah, in the first in the first season, Ned Stark is just like Ned Stark knew. He he was a he was a uh, White Walker denialist, and he was like in on it. He was like, you know, they're saying that there's more White Walkers, but when we really look at the data, it feels like there's just about as much White Walkers every year. When you look when we look at the data, it looks Um, like there's just about as many White Walkers as there was last year. And then you get to the, like, scene in, like, the the fifth season with, like, um, the sand snake in the jail cell, and she's like, you want a good dog, but you need the bad pussy. Oh, yeah, that is a scene right there. Let's talk about that. Let's break that scene down. Uh, Yeah, well, so visually it's pretty good, but uh, if you just look at the script alone, pretty bad. Interesting. Um, Interesting. Do you have that opinion? Yeah. I also, the other opinion that I get from <laughs> Game of Thrones is that people are upset with the later seasons because there's less boobs. Hmm. That's a, yeah, I mean, that's a, that's a, I guess that's fair. It's like Amelia Clark had signed on in the beginning. It's like, who is Amelia Clark? And then by five seasons in, Amelia Clark is saying, I am Amelia All right, Clark. So let's start ranking, let's start ranking the bus. Yeah. All right. So number one, uh, I actually don't remember any of the characters' names. Um, They're too weird. Marjorie. There. Marjorie? Marjorie Tyrell. Yes, that's one of them. You are right about that. That's the only one I remember. Who are the rest of them? Um, <laughs> Amelia Clark, a.k.a. Oh, shit. How is I not, how can I not remember this? I can't remember the most basic of Game of Thrones. That's, a, that's why, like, Game of Thrones, when w- that final season made it so that my brain forgot that it was ever real. Yeah. So, what's a video games? This is a video game podcast. It can be. You finished Elden Ring. We all finished Elden Ring. Everyone's collectively finished. So this is what Except should this for be? for some people who have chosen uh, not to finish Elden Ring. And or if, that, or if that's your choice, if that's your choice, I, re- I stand by it. Um, yeah. I, re- I had write, written down, oh, it wasn't even in my book. I had written down a ton of stuff. Uh, I didn't write down anything about Elden Ring. In regards to Elden Ring. So, so I forgot the whole game. Can you uh, break it down for me? Um, so Because I've been playing, it's, it's been so long. You I've are the Elden. lowly tarnished. Um... The loathsome dung eater, Sir Gideon Offnir, the all-knowing. Um, so that's so it's that's actually a game about. about a character named Goldmask. It's yeah, it's a it, it really is kind of about Goldmask when you get down. It's to It's a it. Goldmask simulator. Um, I've always I, I think that Goldmask is so fun. I know that his story goes places, but does it? Because I, I saw him once on a bridge and then he just never points. again. I, I part of me wants to think that if I dressed up in like an open shirt showing my bare chest and put a mask, a, a put a big straw hat over my face and just pointed at the sky, that people would come up near me and, and say, "Stop! Don't interrupt him. He's brilliant. Look at the way yeah. he points." But 
Um, okay, if we're just going in the right city, if we're just going all, because I, I think we should just go all in Elden Ring, because this is what Elden Ring spoilers. Elden Ring spoilers. Uh, for, stop. Do the we want to do that at the start? Yeah, sure. Just stop the podcast after that. Like you should have played it, and if you didn't play it, then uh, I guess I'd go play it. Um, before that, Valorant, just skip ahead a little th- bit. There's if, uh, Fade, Kirby, and I'll, I'll put it in the, in the show notes when when we're done with Elden Rings. Should we do that? I don't even know. I feel like Kirby just... will tell me. Yeah, I feel like I won't do that. All right. Um, if you if you want to do quick video games before that, Fade, uh, Fade came out in Valorant. No, I played too many. We talked we talked so about, about her uh, last week. Actually, you know what? There is one thing I want to talk about before that, and that's Tunic. But uh, Fade came out, and everything I said last week stands. She's very fun. She's a good addition to the game. That is Fade. Um, I've been playing video games. I've been playing about. Tunic, and uh, I have some thoughts about it. the The opening. Uh, I beat Tunic. the The opening um, for me um, was very frustrating because it was very hard to figure out where I was supposed to go for a while. Um, and right. when I had kind of like a bigger breakthrough, uh, and uh, I think I, I forgot how I found the way towards the second. Um, uh, area you're supposed to be and uh, I, I feel like it started like I got propelled very quickly through it um, at this point so where exactly did you get lost um, like, after bell the towers or something I, I had finished both belt I had hit both bell towers and I think I I forget if I I guess maybe it was before I had gotten any of the like I think I got both bell towers and I couldn't figure out the next thing to do um, you didn't yeah so you didn't notice like the giant golden door in the middle no of I the, no I went there is it after I that think, I think it was after that because I went th- I went through the golden tor- door immediately after the bell towers and th- there was just one pl- I forget if it was before the first med- medallion or before the second medallion it might have been before this it, w- it was probably before the first medallion maybe like I finished that and you go into those giant doors but I forget if that leads you actually like it led me I don't remember like I, I couldn't there was one part where I just could not figure out where to go and that game if you lose the thread or if you don't know where to go that game is very hard to there, there's not there there is nothing I, I think that like one of the first and most important things about it uh is and and you did talk a little bit about this uh is uh that there you're finding pages of a for like all intents and purposes like it's a it's almost like being a kid and fi- and reading, trying to read a Japanese manual. Like I think that was that's what it's trying to evoke is that you are a kid and you have the SNES and or the NES and you have a manual. You might have had like an import and you have uh, a manual that's in Japanese and there's there's a couple English words and by the pictures and the diagrams and maybe the couple English words, uh, you're trying to like suss out what the manual is trying to tell you. I I think. It's really interesting because you and I grew up with video game manuals. Uh, whenever like I, I got a game from Blockbuster, I would come home and then I would I would poop and <laughs> I always poop and I would always take like the manual into wow. the bathroom with me. Um, so you just got like like poop articles just, all over this Blockbuster manual. That's kind of why Black. That's partially why Blockbuster closed. I don't know if you know that, but um, they they found that all their manuals were uh, were covered in. Uh, a thin layer of poop particles. Uh, Sometimes of you didn't even get the manual. You were lucky to get the manual. It bummed me out when you didn't get the manual. But um, so uh, yeah, the, one of the major like major things about the game is that there's nothing tutorializing you or helping you along in this game. It actually probably would be a much simpler and less interesting game if the manual you could read. Uh, but it's all in like a made up. It's all in a made up language, like a, a, a cryptography kind of language made by the uh, developer. 
Um, and which I think is, it's like a singular person. It's incredible that someone made this project, uh, regardless of how I feel about it. So, and so I struggled a little bit in the beginning and then I like really got propelled forward. Um, uh, there's a lot of like cool aspects to this game, um, that like you find a page and it kind of hints at something and you realize there was something there all along that you could have been doing, which I think is really cool. Um, you can like kind of poke around and find things on your own. It's almost, it's like half... You, you explained this before, but it, it, it should be said again that it's kind of like a half Zelda where sometimes you're gated by literally not having the items. Um, and then it's other half like Outer Wilds where you're gated by knowledge. Or a witness, yeah. Or a witness where like once you have information, there's so many. One of the craziest things is there's so many paths, secret paths through the game that sometimes... You, like the knowledge you're getting is that you go way forward and realize that there was a secret path that would cut halfway through that that was always available it was just like kind of behind geometry or something like a rope or something yeah like a ladder behind a wall or something sometimes it's stuff like that but then other times it's just straight up like you go behind a wall and there's actually like a secret hallway yeah but uh so um yeah i'm at a part where after you find the three medallions uh like you this... didn't you did find the three so you yeah. found the medallion i found the so medallion you, you solved your problem you got the three medallions, and now what? And then something happened, and now, uh, now the world state is slightly different. The world tendency has the changed. The world tendency has changed. Uh, so, I guess it, it's. I, I just think I. I I've heard. I, I haven't. I, I. I don't know. Like one thing I want to ask you is that at the point of the game that I'm at with after post the three medallions, um, am I supposed to be doing fezzy things? Uh, you could be if you, uh, there were some things that you might have been able to figure out and solve, but uh, it is not unusual that you didn't get to the part of the game that's more puzzly and weird. Yeah, it's just, it, it's it's interesting. I can imagine a lot of people, uh, I forgot, I, I, I completely forget this podcast, um, uh, but I got linked on on the Tunic subreddit. There was a link to it, to people talking about Tunic. And was it like besties? It was not I besties. I would have remembered that, but uh, it was just like it, I forgot. It was just like two friends chat. I forgot the name of it. It was like two friends chatting or something like that podcast, and they like talked about it. It's basically us. It's like two. It sounded like two white people, two white men, which is which is most podcasts, I think. Um, and uh, I the, the the there's a large port. Like I guess if the game is uh, is an onion, as per Shrek, uh, the there's a large portion of this game where. Uh, the, the, the Zelda aspect and the, the manual and finding out things that you always could have done is like, I, I almost wish it never, I, I'm going to be annoyed when it goes further than that. I feel like, uh, because there's like, there's like, I, I, I want the, almost this style of game more like a, I want like a straight up Metroidvania. Don't do like the crazy fezzy stuff, um, and have like weird puzzles that like are meta and go outside of what you thought was, you know, possible in the game. It would be interesting to just see like a straight up Metroidvania that had this kind of like obfuscated manual because I think it works so well. I think that alone, like I, I the and the, the manual is beautiful. The art in general, I know we have already talked about it, but the art in this game is is really great. And I think that the the manual is it is evocative. It is so evocative. I don't know if you've ever seen it, but I talked about it last time. The link to the past absolutely for the SNES. Yeah, 
uh, a gorgeous manual and definitely what this game is uh, pointing at. Yeah, a lot of the like Zelda art, old uh, artwork for like the NES and SNES uh, had these like full page illustrations and these great like shots of Link standing before big, you know, like enemies or something like that. And uh, this manual is just it is so gorgeous, like you said, and it's just like it is such a good looking fun manual. And it's kind of cool, like the the maps are on the manual. And if you go, scroll to the page that you are on the map of, you can see where the character is. And sometimes there's like a little hint at where um, items would be. Uh, it, it, it is really cool. I kind of just want, like I said, I kind of just want something that is more that. Like I, I appreciate uh, the, the whatever fezzy aspects that might, that might come um, for what they are. Uh, but, but I kind of just want that. So it's well, going to be sad. that's what you have right now. It's what I have right now. you don't know about the fezzy stuff. Yeah. Um, but, but what I, I, what I do mean is that like, I, I can imagine a lot of people bouncing off of it if for so long the game has this one kind of style to it where, uh, it's it's Zelda, but there are these things that like you could be doing that you might not know until you get a manual page for it, and so some of it is so again like some of it is the Metroidvania is the actual finding of items, and some of it is the knowledge. And I would love a game to just like end on that level of the onion of just like there's a lot of things you need to know that you wouldn't know that the manual would have told you but you don't speak that language Uh, have you how are you finding the combat are you enjoying it uh so that's another thing that i've heard uh so the for the first couple of bosses i thought the the combat was actually really good uh sometimes the combat is like frequently especially when you aggro like an, an enemy too much or something like you aggro a little bit too many enemies um the combat can be really annoying um and like you also the other thing that's really frustrating about this game is that i i I think that the window of invincibility after hit should be higher because I get comboed a lot. Uh, and it's, yeah. that's not fun. Um, but I would say that the difficulty, I was enjoying the difficulty of the game and feeling like as long as you, you know, do your upgrades and as long as you, uh, like sometimes use consumables, the, the game had a really good, and the enemy, the boss, the enemies um, have a really good tells and there's no reason that you can't like roll them people compare this to like dark souls and for bosses it kind of is a little bit more dark soulsy um but the boss fights felt pretty good but i feel like um the out like the world combat was mostly like after a while it start it started to annoy me i i think that around the time i was in the third medallion dungeon where they had like those uh pink gooey oh enemies. that's what i was just going to talk about and I, that is the time where I was like, all right, I'm going to turn on the, uh, the, uh, the easy mode or like the no die mode, because, uh, I just want to get through this and this is obnoxious. And I think that for that, it, it is a little poorly designed for that. Like it's, and I think that's a fair criticism just to say, like, I, I, I feel like as a single game developer, and I'm sure there's playtesters, and it wasn't completely single. Like there were additional people doing like art and things like that. But but I feel like as a single game developer, and maybe with like a small team of playtesters, if you're putting combat into your game, you're probably going to get really good at your combat, and and it's and your testers are going to get good at your combat, and it, and it's going to give you. I I feel like you're going to lose sight of like what the the general layman is going to feel when it comes to this, and, and ultimately it made me feel like. Uh, my character is too weak. Like my, and it's a number of things. It's like defense, 
uh, doesn't feel good. The parry is uh, sluggish and impossible. The sword is very short. I haven't even short. messed with that. The parry is so slow. Yeah, the sword, the sword is, is very, very short. short. Yeah, there's a lot of times where you get that window and you just sit there like whipping your sword at nothing because you're like an inch off, you know? Yeah, and magic, the magic is cool, but because it's limited, it's like, you know, uh, it, it's ultimately like the combat just felt off enough. Like it feels like they were so close to getting it so right. Yeah, I know what you and mean. And if they just gave you like a little bit more power... Like, like I think I, I kind nice. of wish that there was like you know two more frames on the dodge roll if the parry was quicker if you if the the upgrades were a little bit more generous like just just like if getting attack meant a little bit more because I think for for the first couple bosses I was thinking like you know I'm doing good damage and there's there's certainly like strategies around this and that it felt like uh for the librarian I I that just, was a cool I, fight. I, I, that was a really cool sight, fight, and I sight read it. Like I just, I just beat him on the first try. Oh, and, I did not. Yeah, and, I got stuck on that boss for quite a few tries. Uh, I felt like, I, like for for that boss, like all of his stuff, like his tells were pretty good, and that I also felt like my upgrades, my upgrades were good, and I was doing a lot of damage. So like for him, I sight read for the scorpion mechanical boss thing. Like it took me a couple tries till I figure out you could just like walk underneath him and hit the tail like Ganon. Um, and for the first boss, like, I think it was just, you know, just dodge rolling and stuff like that. But, uh, those bosses I thought were pretty well balanced and I had a good time with them. And then especially that area, that last area with the pink goop people, it's just like, sometimes there's just like a lot of enemies on screen and they the enemies don't take turns or like seem to acknowledge each other. So you can get things where like the enemies are just crowding you and like swinging in a way that like you're getting comboed, um, uh, like, I think maybe possibly that's, like, intentional, but there's parts of the game where, like, that, the, the developer throws that at you, especially that part, is, like, I just think it's poorly balanced. There's a fight in that area, in that third medallion dungeon, where you're on this little island, kind of, and there's these two, um, like, kind of harder enemies, like, mini-bosses. Yes. And, and yeah. you have to, like, both of them have to have two phases, that is right about where I turned on the assist. So both of those have two phases, and you have to, like, beat them once, and then they switch to a second phase. And and like I said, they don't... Like, the game doesn't acknowledge that the other one's alive, so they're not, like, playing off each other or taking turns. So, like, sometimes they can just crowd around or be, like, overlapping AoEs or something in a way that it, like, just doesn't feel fair or fun. And then while you're on the island, if you go near the bottom of it, like tons of these like enemies spawn that are these like horribly annoyingly balanced. Like I don't ever know what the intention was with those enemies, the ones you're talking about. These purple enemies where when they hit you, they bring your max health down. And not only that, but they're very like spidery. Like they they keep walking forward and backing up. Like you can only hit them if you if they commit, but they will only commit to an attack if they know you they can hit you. So, like, you have to either use consumable, like, explosives or stuff like that, and the game doesn't save them when you die, so, like, I, I, I had a bunch of attempts on it. It was, like, one of the most frustrating things. Meanwhile, like, the other two mini-bosses are, like, have, like, tons of attacks that can, like, almost one-shot you. They have an AoE that is, like, very difficult to roll because they, like, it's, like, this, like, classic video game, like, the boss does a ground pound, um, a, a grounded 
aura slowly, you know, seismic wave releases from them, and you have to roll, you have to roll over the seismic wave. But the timing of it's very tight. And meanwhile, like there's all these ads being spawned, and the two bosses are there, and they're just attacking you like simultaneously. It is like a horrible experience. It, I, I just like I just thought of that as like I I beat it. I didn't turn on like the easy mode. It was not fun. Like I I I don't understand like what the intention was there. Like it was just poorly balanced. There's like no other way around it. And then by and then also the boss after that, I just thought was like tuned very poorly. Um, I don't know if I missed stuff. I think I have like five attack upgrades, but it just felt like I was not really doing a lot of damage to them. And that like they would hit me once, and it would be for like around seventy five percent of my health. So it was it's kind of almost like the Elden Ring problem where like I get hit one time it's like 75% of my health so now I have to like run away flask flask and for them like I'm just like not really not doing that much damage. Uh so like I did not enjoy that boss the way that I was enjoying a lot of the other bosses. So like it, it seems like difficulty kind of fell off of a of a cliff at this point of the game and I I really kind of am disappointed with that because before that it yeah. felt like the game gave you all the options. Then the other thing I would say is like this game does a mini Dark Souls thing where you lose like 20 of the currency whenever you die. Um, but when you want, once you understand the area, you kind of just want to run past it. And that's like impossible in this game. And, and like, there's also that weird, this weird, and I feel like the game is also balanced around, around like the perfect scenarios. Um, and, and like the insane power level of some of the items like game, like at the third medallion dungeon, before you go in, you could get the gun and the gun will like one shot a lot of things. Like it is ab- like insanely powerful. So you could just like create builds where it's like, all right, uh, my flasks are now converted into mana flasks. I'm doing all of this like magic stacking stuff. Uh, and now I'm one shotting things with the gun. And I feel like is the game balanced around how fucked up like like things could be. Oh my God. This is going to be and- an amaze. This would be such a fucking from soft Elden Ring segue. Continue. And yeah, because, and and there's also like weird combos that you like of magic that you don't find out about until like you're done with the game. Interesting. Like you can have two magic items on your slots and then like hit them both at once to like combo them or. Yes. Interesting. Um, so I, I feel overall positive with it, but I think that there's a lot of negatives and it's a, it is a, it is imperfect. I think it's a great game. I think that I'm glad I played it. It's it was on Game Pass, uh, so I I do feel like it didn't overstay its welcome. I feel like um, it ended when it should have. I I do wonder about the pacing. It's it is a game that is the right length, but I think that at times it is poorly paced. I think that there are certain reveals uh, that are very interesting that happen towards the end of the game that if they introduced it earlier. Uh, would have actually been to their benefit. So I'm, I'm I, I, how far am I? Um, two thirds. All right. Um, what else? What, what else have you played? Any? Because I do want to talk about Elden Ring. I feel like this could be a great. Yeah, spoiler. but we've been playing. I've been playing so many games. So you you chose a you chose a tough time to uh, try to speed along. Uh, Stranger of Paradise. I'll briefly. Oh talk yeah. About that. Did we talk? You did talk uh, about that last week. I did, and it, it it rules. It gets better the more you play it. The I didn't realize how many classes there would be. Uh, because there's this thing where it's like, okay, you can unlock the thief if you play as the pugilist and the duelist. But I didn't realize that from the thief, you can then unlock the assassin and the ninja. 
and that it keeps it goes further than that and yeah, you just I mean. like keep unlocking all the, i love classists like it is me too like i just love like un unlocking classes like final fantasy tactics is one of my favorite games of all time because i love that class uh and it's one of the things that like carried me through fell eater uh which was a less good uh Final Fantasy Tactics, but it had that class system. And this takes the class system, like copy and paste from Final Fantasy Tactics, and puts it into like Neo. And and it's just I'm I'm still blown away by all the classes and like playing as a red mage. And then like obviously, you know, you're unlocking the red mage by being a swordsman and a mage. And then from the red mage, you can then go to uh, I don't even know what they're called, but so much, so many cool class combos, uh, and I'm really enjoying the game. Uh, Rogue Legacy 2, another game where you're constantly unlocking new classes and finding new things. So I, I thought that Rogue Legacy 1 was good in theory, but that there were a lot of parts about it that I didn't like. And I feel like the jump between Rogue Legacy 1, which felt like a proof of concept, into Rogue Legacy 2 is the difference between... This is this is some real inside baseball video game ass video game shit. But it is the same leap that you got from Assassin's Creed one to Assassin's Creed. Interesting. Uh, which is to say, like, it is the fruit of all of the labors and of all the setup uh, that there was. You, you know, sometimes like you play a game that has like some really amazing ideas and you think to yourself, the sequel of this is going to be great <laughs> uh, if they can iterate on this. And that's what Rogue Legacy 2 is. Uh, because it is essentially Rogue Legacy, uh, but with a lot more content packed into it, um, where you're doing a lot less repetition of areas, uh, where the areas that you're going to feel a lot more fleshed out, and the runs feel closer to like um, a run in Hades, where you're choosing your weapon, and then you're going in, and you're finding these different modifiers. You're using gold that you spend to empower your castle and to unlock new classes like the different classes that i've been finding are pretty interesting the classes are defined uh in a few different ways every class has a unique weapon so for example the knight has a great sword uh and the special ability of the great sword is that any dash attack will cause the great sword to crit every every class is defined by how they do a critical attack so for the ranger, it's uh, if you do the perfect draw where you like get it just right on the timing, you do a crit. There's a barbarian, which is if you uh, whenever you're on a ground on the ground and doing a grounded attack, it's a crit. Um, and, and they're all just like these these different versions. And I think I've seen like eight classes so far, and I just keep finding them. So like the 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 gimmick or like the thing that is the, the defining feature of rogue legacy is that when you die, you play, it is a roguelite where you play again as the, um, heir to the, to the castle. And every character that you play has different, um, like stats and features to them. Uh, and they're not all positive. Like there could be a character that is colorblind. So when you play as them, uh, Obviously, you can't see color, which is going to mean you're getting hit by projectiles. But there's gold modifiers on all of them. So if you choose ones uh, that are statistically worse or that have like some pretty bad debuffs, uh, then you're getting a gold bonus. And the gold is what you're using to uh, power up uh, your lineage, power up your castle, 
get those big upgrades, unlock new classes, and unlock raw stats. Yeah, I played Did you this, play any Roguelike? I played this in, in the not the not the first one, but I played two when it came out in early access and it felt early access, but I I, I do want to check it out now. I like you gotta I'm, check it out. Yeah. It's a good game. I've been playing a lot of VR. I've been playing as much VR James as I can. James in the alternate reality. I've been vi- I've been buying a lot of VR games. Uh, I, I don't know how much I talked about last. I don't know what games I got into by then. So um, I've played a couple. So I've played a Half-Life Alex, which is, I feel like, the one that most, that you would expect most gamers to have played. I, I feel like there are probably a lot of people who bought a VR headset and they played a Half-Life Alex and that's all they played. Um, and that's fine. Like, I feel like that is Half-Life Alex is the breath of the wild of VR where the switch came out and they were like, this is what the switch is capable of. Like check out this possibility. And, and that is kind of what you get with Half-Life Alex, where it feels like not only is it an amazing game, uh, but it's also a tech demo. You know what I mean? I think a lot of VR still like remains a tech demo in a lot of ways. I know you said that there's more full experience, but a lot of VR, even some like the most popular games are stuff where it's like enjoyable, but it's like a repetitive content kind of thing, or like it's a very short kind of like uh, proof of concept of like, you know, this, this is something where we, we figured out a really cool sandboxy, um, you know, way to uh, attack people like a, a cool sandboxy sword and sorcery kind of thing or a cool sandboxy gun uh game but uh like the, like the full experiences aren't there as much like there's not as many full kind of like uh game experiences yes but half-life alex is one of them yes and so i'm very and i think i mentioned this i i feel like i lucked out by not getting motion sick in vr like it just doesn't happen uh which means that i don't have to play with like the dumbass like teleporting thing that most vr games have all I, every VR game I've played like has the option like if it has teleporting, it also has joystick movement. So Half Life Alex. I think mean, the default, teleporting is actually really fun. Like I, the game, one of the games that I liked the most in in in, half, in VR was uh, Robo Recall, and you just had this like instant teleport wherever you wanted, and you could just like look at it, and it felt very much like a dishonor like a dishonored where you. You just like look at something and you could even gain like height. You could just teleport on top of a vehicle and like shoot downwards. Or in that game, you could do stuff like, uh, you know, shoot something, slow down time, teleport bef- behind them and like grab them and kill them. And like it, it felt really, really fun. I really liked it. I guess that if way. it's like built into it. But in Half-Life Alex, like I feel like the teleporting is weird because it's like, why is this like, why are you teleporting? Like I, it, sure. it makes sense from like a technical perspective. Yeah, from like, but, but when you're playing like a, a story-driven game, it's like your character walks around. Like it's weird that they just teleport instead it's, of. And it's this thing where there's like your enemies coming at you, and it's like I'm going to turn around and teleport away, and yeah. that's weird. Like I like just using a joystick and just backing up. Uh, it feels like a horror game, and I feel like a lot of games in VR that are of this style will feel like a horror game. Because there is there is a part of this game where you're getting like a flashlight and the flashlight is on the opposite wrist of your gun. So it's also this thing where you're like um, taking your pistol and you're holding it with two hands, uh, not only to steady the aim, uh, which it physically is doing in your hand, but also because you're like pointing the flashlight and pointing the gun. And I that that feels very intuitive and cool. 
And and there is so much in VR that is like so intuitive and cool. In this game, you get um, gravity gloves, uh, which give you the option. It, it's essentially the same thing as the gravity gun from Half-Life 2, where you can look at an object and pull it to you. And you could do the same thing in this game with objects, where you could just point at an object. Like, let's say you point at like an explosive barrel. You can just like point at it and then pull it and it'll like jump to you. And then you could like, you know, throw it in the air and shoot it. And there's a lot of cool shit that you do with like, um, it just feels so cool to like grab magazines and like grab collectibles. And then you just like reach behind you and like put them in your backpack and stuff like that. Like there is v VR feels like a new thing. VR feels like um, the way that people pretend to get immersed in video games when you're watching. Me. Yeah. They like pretend that it's immersive. I feel like VR actually is that immersive. And I've felt like that across a lot of games. Like I've played a Half-Life Alex. I've played some Beat Saber, which is really fun. And there's really nothing to talk about with it. It is just like a very uh, immersive, like you're swinging swords to music kind of game. And Sword and, so and Blade and Sorcery, which is the one that you were talking about, which is... Uh, definitely like a tech demo for now, but it's in early access and it is essentially like this. It is a physics VR game where the power of weapons is sort of like dependent on your ability to wield them. So if you use a rapier, you, you literally need to like reel your hand back and like pierce to stab at people. Uh, you need to like swing the swords in the ways that your character actually would swing a sword and momentum is a factor so if you're just like lightly swinging the sword you're gonna like not break any flesh you're like not gonna break people's armor uh this game has like some very fun magic to it where you're like um channeling fireballs together and like throwing them hadouken style at people or like creating um gravity magic bombs and throwing them on the ground and then like all the like weapons and people around you just start like floating uh, there's a full conversion mod for this uh, called the Outer Rim, which adds every weapon that you could imagine from the Star Wars universe. All of the blasters, all of like uh, the sniper rifles, the jetpacks, every every lightsaber that's ever existed with interchangeable like kyber crystals uh, and all of these like mock battles where you could like do the Darth Vader fight and, and shit like that. And I I can't help but think like uh, uh, how how does LucasArts not look at something like this existing and be like we need to make a VR a, a VR Star Wars game because literally every single person who owns a VR will want it. Like, yeah I remember when, when Switch came out or something there was like a LucasArts thing like like oh it looks like a lot like a lightsaber and I was like well what happened there? You guys didn't do anything that time. It's crazy to me. Like, but but the possibilities in this game are wild with the things that they will let you do because of the physics where and and it feels fucked up because it's in VR. Like it is so much more visceral when you are like dismembering people, when you are force grabbing people mm -hmm. by the throat and then like flicking your wrist to like like break their neck against the wall. It like feels violent in a way that video games uh th that i guess i've kind of like um i i don't know what the word is but i i don't really think about or... yeah i'm desensitized to 
like two dimensional violence. And when I play this game there, because it is so immersive, there is like a crazy violence to it and because you're just like so close to people and you just like cut their head off and it like feels fucked up, mm -hmm. but it feels fucked up in a way that is like VR is impressive, yeah. you know, like I don't feel bad about it, but it sure would be it. It might be good if maybe, you know, they let you kill goblins <laughs> instead. Yeah, I feel like I, I, I still feel like. There's overall like a future that like we're always everything is in VR. Um, the but, metaverse. But like that will be when um, the VR headset is not as annoying to wear when like all that stuff is like gotten way smoother and smaller and easier. And like maybe there's some point where you like put your phone down and then put a like a headset on and the phone tracks you and it gets easier to do all that kind of stuff. And like, I, I don't know, like it does feel like it is still very much like tech demo demo-y to me, even after yeah, but, like a decade but it's, of it it's, being on the market. But VR is fucking like crazy when you think about the fact that you're not limited to what you can do with buttons. Like, I think that there is like yes. something amazing about just being able to grab things. There is something so satisfying about reaching your hand out and force grabbing a sword into your hands or taking a spear and literally piercing someone against the wall and sticking them to the wall or like thrusting a stiletto so deep into someone's shield that you can rip it out of their hands and throw it away. It is that that is just like a crazy feeling or actually holding up a shield to block arrows and the arrows are in the shield and then you can reach over and grab the arrows out of the shield like that is that is it, it feels nuts like it's it, it's amazing to me. Yeah, I it, it's that's it. Like, I, I just find it so amazing. And I I do feel like if people played games like this, like Blade and Sorcery and like Half-Life Alex, they would <laughs> it would probably really sell people on VR because because I feel like when VR first came out, a lot of people were like, it's not there yet. And it also came at a weird time uh, in terms of card accessibility. Like, it has been so hard to find graphics cards over the last, like, three generations to find, like, contemporary ones. And I feel like the 30 series cards are where VR has really started to be, like, perfect. Like, mm. where it's like, this doesn't feel laggy. This won't make you motion sick. Uh, there is something so amazing about, like, walking through a foggy area about hand, about like putting your hand out and it actually like projecting a shadow in the environment. Uh, it's it's crazy. It reminds me of when you when you saw shadows for the first time in video games or when you saw your character's reflection for the first time in video games and you're like, holy shit, there's like I can move around and the and the reflection moves around. It is like that to the nth degree. Yeah, it is interesting what you said about like how much I think one of the one of the craziest things about VR certainly is that like uh, I was I was watching a video today about uh, how I, I hate just saying that and not you know linking to this and I don't remember who the the streamer was or the, who the content creator was but they were talking about how there's so many things in video games obviously that uh, we know the language for that it's hard when it's someone who doesn't know the language for they don't know certain like obvious you know video game signs sometimes they don't know like 
obvious stuff that we would maybe look at a map and be like, oh, you're pointing towards the main quest over here. This looks like a side uh, quest icon and stuff like that. Um, that usually like health pickups in game in games are like red or something, um, or that like you, like we just you know quickly like learn that kind of stuff. Um, and that for new players, like a lot of that kind of stuff is like they're encountering every small moment as a hurdle and that there's so many things to remember and that there's so many button combinations. But like you said, like there's something so elegant toward to anyone about like instead of there being a button to grab someone and a button to shoot or something, it just, you know, you reach out and you grab them and then like 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 all that becomes very intuitive like it's just like you are like in that world and it's less about like remembering the button combinations and more about like what is your, what do you think you can do and that yeah. it like makes sense that you just do it and it works you know and it's real fun to think about like the hud elements um in half-life alex you look at the side of the gun and the bullets are like shown on it like you're pressing a button to release a magazine in a gun you're reaching over your back to pull out a clip you have to load it in and then you have to um chamber it and that kind of stuff is is just really cool to me and um you're also uh like putting your hands on like you're reaching out your hand to like uh put it on this like healing pad and then it's like um like in the game it's like putting pins into your hands and the uh like haptics on the like the this is maybe the only time that like H hd rumble ever mattered where it's like you're feeling things in different parts of your hand uh, with the index controllers. Mm-hmm. And in um, in uh, Blade and Sorcery, if you like hold up your wrist, you see like your, your health bar projected on your wrist and things like that. Uh, the, the way that they have to handle like you not having a HUD is interesting. I would love to play a mech game in VR. I think that that would be really cool. I wonder if that would work. I feel like you being a human and walking around makes more sense. I think that like... I wonder if mech stuff, like, I, I it, it, it could be kind of like another layer of obfuscation if you're sitting... A if, sitting if, VR if game you're just like, where you're, like, in a cockpit. You're sitting and you're in a cockpit and you're trying to, like, reach out and grab things. Like, well, I'm not saying that it couldn't work. Italian controller. Yeah, like, I'm not saying that it couldn't work. And then, <laughs> and it, well, like, I mean, of course, that's a good example of, like, how that could make that easier um, rather than just having, like, a controller that has a million things on it, but I'm not sure. Do you have your base stations map? No, because um, they would take up too much like sp- space on my desk. I don't. I just take it all out if I want to use it. Oh, I I meant to the walls. I mounted mine on my walls. No, I don't have that. Yeah, mine mine oh, are it's... like mine are like on. They're like almost like mics. They're like on little stands. It felt so. It felt really bad before I put them up. Like it was. Um, I was getting a lot of desync because I had them at um like desk level. So I had like one on my desk and I had one like stacked on a couch. I'm, I think that your dresser is like a decent spot, but I think they're supposed to be like six and a half feet up minimum for like best effects. But I don't know because we both have like different VR rigs. Yeah, for mine, they rigs. have to be plugged into the computer. Yeah. Oh, they are. My base yeah. stations are separate from the computer. Yeah, mine are plugged into the computer. Gotcha. Yeah, mine are like um, independent. They're just plugged into a wall. And then they, I guess they have like a Bluetooth or a something going on. I don't actually know how they work, but they do it. Uh, so that's my, my VR coin. I also played, um, and I don't have to talk about this too much, but I played the Stanley Parable Ultra Deluxe. How is it different? Do you, would you even remember at this point? Yes, I do remember. Cause I've played the Stanley Parable like three or four times with different people. Uh, so I've seen the game. I've memorized a lot of the game and they've tweaked a lot of it at the start of the game. Uh, they ask you if you've played the Stanley Parable before and if you have, I'm guessing that the way that they serve things up to you is different. 
this game has a lot of content. This game must have more than double the content of Stanley Parable uh, because not only is there a bunch of new stuff, uh, but every single like ending that's in the game currently has like different versions of it. And uh, I'm digging it so far. I've been going through it um, with Kevin Cruz, but it's it's huge. It is it is a huge game. Uh, the Stanley Parable was one of my favorites back in the day. Yeah, I and remember I that. I think that, and and it's it's a game that would be so hard to create a sequel for. Um, and I feel like they kind of did. Like this feels more like 1.5. This kind of feels like Stanley Parable too. Uh, and and the game kind of takes it there, and uh, it's really it, it's really great. It's more of the Stanley Parable. Uh, and they somehow managed to do that without making the joke too long. I wish it were in VR. <laughs> yeah, that would actually work pretty well in VR. Uh, those are all the video games I've played that are not Elden Ring. All right, to, on to Elden Ring. Don't listen to this if you haven't finished Elden Ring, because we're going to uh, just go right in. Yeah, what's Elden Ring? Um, oh, Elden Ring. So I want to quickly... Remember before you played Elden Ring and you didn't know what Elden Ring was going to be? Yeah. I, I would I would quickly I would say that having finished it took me around a hundred hours to finish Elden Ring and I would say that it is still despite many many gripes it is still one of the better games I've ever played. Um, it I have re- I, I I have a really hard time believing that there will be a better game this year. Um, yeah. a, a, as flawed as it ultimately is. Um, as most games are. As most games are, but uh, like Elden Ring, I think it's it's one of those things where. It's so close to perfection, and there's some aspects that do feel like perfection to the point where, like, it kind of gets your jogs your mind of like this is so incredible that it makes me want to just think about all the ways that like this could be better, and all the things that I would want in a sequel, and all the the ways in which they kind of went wrong because I think there are a lot of ways. Um, uh, we had like an interesting conversation on uh, out of the podcast one night where. Uh, it kind of all stemmed from the fact that in the final moments for, for in my game, um, I fought Melania, who is, uh, I think, probably agreed by most people to be, like, the hardest boss in the game, if not the second hardest. I mean, maybe people and, would say, like, Radagon. And probably one of the more difficult ones to find. Yeah. Um, and I went in. Um, I knew this was going to be a hard fight. Uh, currently, I was using, and uh, stop me if you heard this before, uh, the like rivers of blood and uh, with a dex arcane build. And uh, when I went in, usually for most bosses, I use if I used a summon, it was the uh, Lutharl or the Headless or Luthal the Headless. And um, for for Melania, I walked in. Um, she like hit me right away because she like kind of surprises you with her first attack and. I like backed up and then I accidentally summoned Mimic Tear. This sounds like a this sounds like a joke. Like I do, I, I had Mimic Tear on my bar. How did and you I used even them. have the? Uh, how did you even have the health to do that? Um, I, like I she backed, didn't... like it, it was like I I got hit and then I think I flashed, ran away, and then I I accidentally did Mimic Tear. Um, because like I I was like panicking. I usually like I, I I'm not saying that I wouldn't use Mimic Tear. Like Mimic Tear is obviously one of the strongest things, and I had it on my bar, but um. I didn't mean to like necessarily use it in the first fight. Usually, I liked uh, the headless because they warp around a lot and it like it puts boss aggro off me. And uh, I the the long story short, um, I beat Melania on that first try. Like I I sight read Melania, and it was 
really disappointing. Um, I think that like anyone who knows the game would know that like that build is probably one of, if not the best builds, uh, the, the rivers of blood and mimic tier is like the strongest, um, summon. Um, but even then it was kind of, dis it was kind of really disappointing because, uh, regardless of that a lot of the bosses are so hard and you usually can't sight read bosses in from soft games anyway because there's you know there's there's a lot of things you'd have to know and like remember their attack patterns and you wouldn't have that information on the first try so usually the first couple times are like you're learning that boss and for most of the best bosses like you really like jam your head against uh, you like slam your head against the wall for an hour and then maybe you kind of figure it out and then by the end you feel great about it and you finished it um so for me it maybe it's no wonder that like one of my favorite bosses is godric because at that point in the game um uh, i he, he would just like one shot a summon and then i had to completely like you know take the summon out of aspect out of the game and learn to beat godric at a at a point where like i would not get hit by him at all and i felt like i learned that fight extremely well and i knew all the tells and i knew my openings and i knew everything about it and i felt really good about it and and a lot of like this the rest of this game i i ended up not really having to do that um, and it, it creates like a larger situation that, that, uh, when I mentioned this to you about like how frustrating it was, it, how kind of like not frustrating, but, um, anticlimactic it was to beat Melania on the first try to the point where like, yeah. I, I stopped using summons from that point onward. Um, and I went back to, to the o old way of like personal, like restricting myself, um, a little bit, because I still use Rivers of Blood, which I think is probably more powerful than Sums anyway. Yeah. And there um, is a new game plus, but you can only fight something for the first time once. Yeah. Um, and you made this really interesting point that uh, that I hadn't really heard of. And, and I think it is like a greater problem. It, it is like maybe the vein that runs through the biggest problem with that game, one of the bigger problems with that game, that, that kind of stems back to literally every other complaint that I'd have. And that is that there's like a loot cave problem. Um, and, and for people who don't know uh there was a time in vanilla destiny where there was like a cave on earth where the enemy spawn rate was accidentally turned up very high and they would spawn in relation to where uh players were so if players stood really far away from this cave they could just the enemies would keep spawning in the cave they could keep like throwing grenades or rocket launchers or just shooting into the cave and the enemies would just keep dying and the enemies would keep respawning and dying um it was the like just it was the best way to get loot um there's no reason that you would do anything that you, you shouldn't actually do anything else if you want to progress because this was the most efficient thing to do um and uh obviously that's not fun obviously that will like instead of playing the strikes or instead of doing the raids one of the best quickest way to get gear if not doing the raid was just sitting here and farming this um this cave and it's not enjoyable at all but it's the most efficient efficient thing you can do and it always leads back to this like interesting uh game makers toolkit uh video uh how play how devs protect players from themselves where it's very difficult for devs to like like balance is important even in like a pve game because if you give players really good options and they they see it working out all the time there's no reason to like you have to give players um uh reasons to incentive to deviate from what they're doing and what's working so well and this game like does not do that at all in fact it goes back to what you were saying i think about um tunic and that is that uh 
I, I like in in a it, which it's like an incredible video from democracy about uh elden ring balance and it's like the fractured state of like you know elden ring bosses like it's easy to find if you look at democracy um he talks about how like the developers uh from was very upfront about wanting the game to be played at by a larger audience and they said you know we want to have summoning not be so many hoops and that you you be able to summon friends and that they wanted to also have a system for people who they didn't want to co-op or didn't want friends this the ashes system and it also feels like in addition to that uh some of the weapons are tuned way up like rivers of blood or um there, there's uh, there's a few like maybe moon veil um they kind of get out of control uh, uh the original um sword of flame and ice or something like that or flame of night yeah something uh, like that night and flame yeah night and flame so it feels like having finished that game it feels like the game was designed intentionally with summons in mind where the bosses wouldn't uh the bosses like are way quicker way more aggressive they also input reads, so like you can't just walk away and flask because they'll just stand there and wait, and then the second you flask, they'll attack you. Um, so the bosses are almost seem like they're designed for there to be like multiple combatants in it, in a, in, a, in a way. And then in the same fashion, they're like not designed because the AI is just not intelligent about it. Like the AI will just sit there and folk can like sit there and try and attack and get caught in these large attack animations while you're just like whacking their back the back of them then you can like back up and wait for your ash to take um aggro again yeah i mean like how did how much did you play with um ashes with ashes like with the summons yeah uh i don't really know i just did it sometimes and sometimes i didn't yeah so is it was it more of a thing of like if the boss is really hard, then you want to do it. Or if the, or maybe if the boss is like a dual boss, like two bosses or a gank boss. I don't know. I, I didn't really think about it. I, I guess if I kept losing to a boss, I would use the ashes. Okay. So it's just like eventually like, uh, uh, the difficulty is a little bit too high. You're not enjoying it as much. Like you're using that to like turn, tune it down a little bit. Yeah. Or I almost get to a point of like, I feel like I understand what to do now. It's mostly just about executing on it. So Fair. Instead of trying to like do the dance perfectly, I'll I'll have a summon and and give it and just do it that way. Yeah. Um, Pretty much, I just chose like whatever. I I wanted to just make sure that like I I I I wanted to get to a point where I feel like I got the experience of the boss. Like I felt like I I felt what they wanted me to feel about it, in a way. Yeah, I could, is, I could see that. Which is like a really obtuse thing to say. No, I know what you mean. I mean, it's something that like you have to like like the boss being on your screen for like an hour um at some point like you it's like okay you've seen that boss a lot you've seen all the all the variations of their attack patterns you've almost beat them a couple times you know what you're doing it's just like now at this point it's like a refinement um more than anything and it's also like getting in that last bit of damage sometimes and that you're yeah. just like okay and, like i want to expedite the process and even then like i uh i still got stuck for hours on bosses that i use summoned uh, specifically, like um, the second time you fight Estelle, uh, the end game of the boss, Melania, uh, I got stuck in a bunch of places uh, for hours. I think I would honestly say that, like, uh, having gone, I started out as sorcery decks, uh, like int decks, and do, did, like, a, the Moonvale and Magic build, uh, which I had a really good time with. And then when I got Rivers of Blood, I was like, let me check this out. And I. I kind of maybe should have switched off it earlier because I think that out of everything that I've tried, Rivers of Blood is like 
it, almost a bigger problem than the summons. Um, especially Rivers of Blood and Mimic Tier because you, the, you and the Mimic Tier build up. Um, yeah, and then you can stacks. also like um, build. Like there are things in the game that are like when blood is procked, you like gain bonus attack and, and things like that. Yeah, there so were there were they, definitely times like and the stacks on stacks that you get with that. The more like with the damage you do with an insane item like rivers of blood um like i i only really needed to dodge like one or two things in a lot of cases for some of those bosses where within melania when she went into her second phase um I, I i'm aware that she has uh like i've seen fights on it afterwards where she has this thing where she jumps in the air and she sends like five clones to attack you like like as these projectiles um and that that's one of the harder things to dodge but uh for me uh, the, when she went into her second phase, she jumped up and then slammed down and did the big, huge, like, Scarlet Rose. Um, and then I waited. I, I saw that. I rolled that. I went in and hit her for half her health. And then she did it again. And then I hit her for the next half her health. And that was what the fight was like for me. Like, it was a really short fight. And especially when you're doing that much damage, you don't really need to um, be right a lot of the times. You only need to dodge one or two things. And then also, um, she's poise breakable. So I, I would just hit her with like a full combo, poise break her, and then hit her with like a full combo again and like would proc bleed. And it was like, it was insane. Um, so it definitely feels like the balance is like horrendous in, in Elden Ring. Um, if you, if anyone wants to finish that they game, keep patching it. They, they are patching it. And I think that they're moving in. A, they haven't patched blood though. They haven't pat patched like rivers of blood or decks. Um, it's mostly been uh, buffs. Buffs, yeah. Um, there was some like minor, minor nerfs to stuff that were more, they were too good. And it was, I, I know that there was nerfs to um, definitely like Moonvale. Sword of Night and Flame or whatever. And, uh, some like a minor nerf to New Moonvale. Um, and then I know recently there was some patches to the strength weapons. I think I could see maybe this, this game getting there eventually because they actually are patching it. Um, but definitely like looking backwards. And, and I think another important thing is that like you said there you can only experience this game for the first time once um if you uh, like if you've played a, a dark souls game and you play like a build that is like easier or you maybe fight a boss where um the bosses the boss doesn't really react well to a certain build um and then you play on new game plus like usually that 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 starting and struggling feeling and that 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 like lack of information that crushes you for so long is not there anymore. So yeah. So for for players that beat the game like with the broken shit the first time, or like you know when Radagon got nerfed or or something or or, or Radan got nerfed or something like that is their experience of it, and the builds are way out of control and. It, it, it is really one of the most greatest disappointments I have in this game is that uh, these, like, open-world uh, games of the Breath of the Wild ilk are often about, you know, the the direction you went and what you found. And I think in a lot of ways, looking back on it, I would, I would want to ask you, like, uh, some questions that I've been thinking about. Um, do you think sure. that... Do you think that um, the there was any value, ultimately, to stats or the RPG element? Do you think that, like... Uh, can you like so what i'm asking you is like imagine an alternate world where or an alternate elden ring where instead of there being stat requirements for things um you just found like a new sword and you could use it to its full ability um 
do you think that would have been a better game? Like, do you think that you would have liked that more? Or do you actually, do, do you, and the, this is a fair question. Like, I could see you going either way on it. Do, do you like the fact that, you know, at least in, in in the current way, like you build up stats and then you, you, you're, a lot of times you're not finding something you like, or like, was it worth it I, when you did I like find? I the current way. You like, it, you like thought it was worth way. it when you did find something. And for me, it's it's because uh, these, there's a few reasons. One of them is replayability, right? Uh, if there's multiple builds, then it encourages you to like, you know, try the game again, like it extends the duration. But part of it also is that these games are social, like Souls games in general. These are like, for a lot of people, they're single player games, but they're games that you're discussing with other people. Like pseudo single and, player, like you and your friends kind of. And I find it interesting that different builds will struggle with different parts of the game and different and there's something really cool about like I am a mage and I go into the academy and I find all this magic shit because I went to the academy and and I you know I I just appreciate that kind of and I I kind of always have I don't know I there's a reason why games like uh, Skyrim are popular right where you can sort of do everything it, it it does allow you to have this experience where uh you are just you're you have your one character anything that you find eventually you can level up to and use right technically in this game it's the same thing like if you really wanted to you could keep leveling and keep leveling and eventually yeah new game plus you can pretty much game. be anything you want but at the start there is like you are defining what you are and you know that is sort of the way that it is skyrim had this issue um and it's an issue that I, I don't know that enough people talk about it, but I think about it a lot. And I think that people who like old games like uh, like Morrowind think about it a lot, which is you could just be the head of every game. Yeah, you can. No, we've, we've complained the, about that. The biggest the biggest master mage and I'm the head of the master, the mage guild. I'm the head of the fighters guild. I'm everybody. All the Dark once. Brotherhood. Yeah. Like, and, and then and then still people are like, who the fuck are you? And it's like, I'm literally every I'm the most important person everywhere. And I think it's interesting to choose. Like, I, I, I do think that there is something gained when you can't do something. Like, like even like in a choice-driven game, right? There is this idea of you can't do both things. So why, why, why is that in game? I guess, right? I, I think that there is something interesting about not knowing what you're missing out. I, I think that there, there is something like kind of captivating about. It. And, and I think that that is one of the things that I also found so interesting about triangle strategy that I still do, where the decisions you're making, you're usually, you have to choose between two bad things, <laughs> essentially, of like, you're either going to get fucked in this way or you're going to get fucked in that way. Uh, so which do you choose? And not knowing what would happen on the other end, I, I think is really exciting to me. And not knowing like what your reward is going to be necessarily is, is captivating to me. And, and I think that that's also one of the reasons why it seems crazy to me that people look things up in this game. Oh my God. I have another whole thing about that. Because, because that is also like part of the role playing for me is like, I chose to play like this specific way. Like I chose to play intelligence. And then I went in this bizarre direction off on my own and I ended up in this swamp and I found this crazy staff that like that, like that feels extra special because 
it worked out for me, right? Yeah. I mean, like, and we talked about this also the first time we played where we had uh, two very differing, you know, uh, uh, starting experiences where uh, I picked Samurai and was going Dex. And if you're going Dex, you really don't find anything good for the first, like, 50 hours. And that's not a joke. Like, you, I, I almost don't know what, like, super... There's some items that kind of get on that level, but and if you're going Dex, and especially, like, Dex Arcane for Bleed... I don't know what you're really going to do. Arcane in general, like, doesn't turn on until you get to Lendo. Yeah, like, it, it, it gets there, especially in, like, the mountains of the giants or whatever, you get, once you get Rivers of Blood, it's like, it's, it's, it becomes, like, such a binary looking, there's, there's, I think there's Eleanor's Pole, I believe, is one of the other things, but for the most part, like, a lot of the Arcane builds is, like, I, I don't really see what items you're getting or what interesting things you're getting for a long time. You get Reduvia. Uh, yeah, you get Reduvia early, and then that's that's kind of it. Um, and I and I'm not even sure if I would put Reduvia up there with like just doing that build and then using an Uchigatana anyway. I'm not actually sure, sure if like that the the compare. So it's a very different like I, I think that maybe some of your I think that this game like re, the the spells are not balanced fantastically either. Um, there's a lot of spells that like and and they're uh, they're actually patching that too. Um, so it's getting there a little bit better. But in the initial, and especially when you were playing, um, like the the initial thing was like, you know, Rock Sling is really out of control. And um, the the Meteorite staff has some of the highest, in, has like S uh, tier in scaling. Um, and with um, magic, there, your magic is like, even in areas that aren't magic, usually you can find some magic things. Um, so I think for out of, out of all the builds, uh, magic finds the most stuff on the ground, like sorcery, like and and faith find maybe the most things, regardless of the um, like regardless of the quality of it or the balance of it. Like you're, it's the most like you're picking things up and trying things out. Whereas with um, strength and dex, you might spend like massive swaths of time just not never finding something that is going to compete with what you already have. So there is like there is that unfortunate thing. I don't know if that's true, but I don't have enough data to say otherwise. I I, I don't know if it's true in regards to strength, especially when like I, you're I starting that... the game off and like all of the initial bosses are giving you strength weapons. A stre that's what I'm saying is I think it's not necessarily true in regards to strength. Like the, I, you can get a very good strength also, weapon Castle you can't Morn. use for Castle yeah. Morn. Yeah, like that's a like that that's a thing early on if you're a strength character that is like. Oh, you can maybe use this. Um, that that weapon was terrible and got buffed a couple times. Um, and uh, so, like, I think that there are more strength weapons, but I but definitely for Dex. Um, I know because I'm trying to even think of like what I would do with Dex Arcane, other than like you know Eleanor's Pole Blade, Reduvia, other than um, Rivers of Blood, which really when you get it, it's like there's no incentive to look back from that. Um, and I, I don't think that the like those kind of uh for the different builds that the uh pickups were really spread out that well um so i think that that is another thing that i i i agree with you and i usually would be on the uh this on that side but i do kind of think that like i would w i would wonder what it would be like to play an elden ring mod that that does make it so that everything is useful so that you like you get a new thing and then you start using it and then you can kind of do whatever you want so that the story becomes more your story becomes more about like you know not just i went here and i found um meteorite staff 
but uh, you know, for a little while you were playing with this weapon and you found another weapon and you can use it right away and like now suddenly you're using a shield and a sword and then after that you find a two-hander and you want to use that and then you're finding sorcery so you completely switch all that kind of stuff up and the game does give you respecking, but there's not like a great there's not always like a lot of incentive to do that um also Just play stranger of paradise yeah i feel like stranger of paradise press, honestly does a better job press with this. y button to change class it's like the 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 builds kind of get out of control at some point um there's not really a great reason to like switch between weapons and then also there's a you are disincentivized to switch between, between weapons because there's a finite amount of um upgrade material um and you you do like like the all that like upgrading costs souls and costs a finite resource um so it is something where you you are more incentivized to hold on to those resources and especially the higher tier of resources till you find something you want to spend every it, it on and then like plus 10 that thing um so i i i really would wonder about a game where it's similar to this but your story becomes more about like you found the spell and the spell is fun and you, and you just are doing it and then you found this thing and this thing is fun and i i because i feel like for I, I was maybe having a lot more fun as the decks int and then especially when i switched over it was like I, you know there's no reason to do anything other than to like l2 my way to victory which is like maybe another also thing of like the I, I still feel like the overall gameplay is lagging far behind. And I also feel like the bosses and the world got more thought. Like, the bosses are the fastest that they've ever been in From Software games. They have perfect tracking, um, and you, you can never, like, sidestep them. They're always... You have to roll their attacks or, do, or block their attacks. Um, so... It's gotten to the point where, and they're also like ridiculously fast, and a lot of them have this this thing that is like, I think kind of inexcusable, where they have trap openings, uh, where sometimes after a move they have a um, a a window where they they have a rest where you can hit them and a recovery period, and then sometimes they 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 it's, it becomes a trap opening where they have a secondary attack where they can cancel their recovery and then attack again. And it's all those kind of things where, like, the, the bosses are attacking too fast, the bosses are too aggressive, the bosses are input reading, the bosses have trap openings, which, like, you should never, if you learn that, like, if you see that the boss does something where they attack in a certain way, and then after that they have a recovery, and then next time they do that, but then they attack during the recovery, like, the, all these things, like, don't, I don't think, lead to great or, like, super fun boss encounters. I... I know that they're they're patching the game now, but I think that like the 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 there is a greater you know in, I've heard from some Souls streamers and a, and it also goes back to the democracy video where uh, I don't know if this game in its current state uh, would be a very like fun nostalgic thing to go back to and do all the bosses again. I think a lot of the bosses aren't as great or memorable or at least as at least built to you know play a thousand times in the way that like bloodborne might be infinitely fun that dark souls 2 dark souls 3 dark souls 1 demon souls sekiro mm -hmm. that those bosses are like people you know have fun playing that game a million times like we know you know friend of the show ryan galloway just has played sekiro a million times has has like really has played it in like the double digits amount of times um and with elden ring the bosses are like a can like ultimately be more of like a promise of of that they were interesting to look at and 
interesting situations, but that you maybe wouldn't want to do them again because they are really weirdly balanced. I, okay. I don't. I don't know that I feel that way. I don't. I don't really know where that opinion comes. Exactly. Um, different souls streamers. I'm. I'm quoting some of them. Yeah. Like no. I don't know. Ex- no, I understand, but I don't really understand why they would think that. And I feel like it might be a factor of just this game being the newer one. It, well, it's it's the things that I kind of said. So first of all, it is yeah, interesting. It, it is worth noting that this game only has nine unique bosses. Um, for uh, to to uh, relate that back, I I think um uh there are there are I think thirty there there, there are like thirty six bosses in the game that have a red health bar on the bottom. Um, but there's only nine of those that don't repeat and. Especially in the later portion of the game, a lot of the bosses just become two different bosses at the same time. Um, in Dark Souls 2, there were 32 bosses, I believe, and so and those are all unique. Um, or I think they're they're they are basically all unique. Um, some of them become some of them might become like bosses might become like encounters later, but for the most part, those are like you know 32 red health bosses. Um, in this game, there's nine unique bosses, and oh, that like, means that uh, all the dragons are considered the same thing. Yeah. Okay. Um, and, and not, not all the dragons. Um, like I, like there's, uh, the Valstrax kind of dragon. That's like the, like lightning, any, anything that like is the same unit that repeats, uh, is counted as like the same thing. Um, not counting like Morgat, Morgat and Margit because they have like slightly different, um, uh, attack patterns. But like for the most part, there's like a ton of repeating bosses. And we've talked about this before of like a lot of that stuff gets repeated in ever jails a lot of that stuff become those bosses become enemies that you fight later on a lot of them become enemies that you fight in a gank boss later on where you're fighting multiple of them um so there is a little bit less of like a wonder to it especially in a second playthrough because i think the bosses that hit that high mark of like you might want to like you know do do that again because it was so cool and you wouldn't get to see it again might be something like radon who is Kind of a not great fight, but like visually fantastic and like very interesting. Have you seen the randomizer? Uh, no. The randomizer. So there's an item randomizer and a and and a boss randomizer. So those do make and I I feel like people are getting some replay value out of that. Where you could walk into um, Margit's arena and uh, Radon is there, and then you kill him and you get a sacred tier. Yeah, weird. Um, I, think... I feel like that. I don't know. I love the randomizers. And one, you know what's actually crazy about Radon is that as cinematic and as much of that seems like a set piece, when you would put him into different arenas, like when you put him into Margit's arena, uh, all of his effects still work. And he still does like the turns the sky yeah. dark and and come and like appears as a meteor off in the distance barrels towards you. I think like it is crazy that all of that stuff still uh, operates. So I know you've you've replayed some of the soul stuff uh, every once in a while. I replayed some of Elden Ring. Um, and you put and you played some of Elden Ring. New game plus some Elden Ring. Um, I think that then the other thing is like folds into all those things that I was talking about, where uh, the Souls community overall, and you know, you you said it's like a new thing. The Souls community overall that I've heard from different you know Souls streamers. Um, and like Souls pundity kind of people um, complain about these kind of things that I'm talking about. That the there's, the windows are short and inconsistent, and sometimes they're traps. That the bosses uh, input read more than they ever have. That uh, the bosses repeat. That 
the um, there's there's some like insane reaction time things, and then also that that builds kind of have got out of control. The where you're not you don't have that many like you you can play with anything, and I'm sure it could work, but like it's not good. And especially in like until that last patch, like you know two handed or colossal weapons didn't work. Um, whereas the the old uh, Souls games were so intricately designed that like those as as hard as they are to people playing them the first time and as hard as they were to me um they it's it's almost hard to believe that those bosses can be like one like you know beaten without being hit that they can be learned to the point where everything is has a, a counter and everything has a reaction everything can be punished and they become like this this dance for for people who replay these souls games and i know this is what galloway talks about a lot where you get to the point where like you you learn it's almost like a rhythm game like learning a rhythm game where you you can just you know perfectly fight a boss and you know their attacks and everything is fair yeah. ultimately everything becomes fair and this game is not balanced like that this game seems to really be balanced for there being multiple targets for there being the existence of summon ashes and for there being possibly co-op so the bosses like just do not have that dance as much they do not have those those like fair windows they do not have that like the boss always does x move and i know that there will be an opening because they actually have like trap openings and and all these things i've talked about with like the the input reading that yeah. people are not liking that they're not they're not that's not fun like on the on the second try um especially if it's the kind of thing where you want to get to the point where you're perfect at that boss because the bosses are too inconsistent they're too fast and random to to be able to do that like without getting hit all the time does that make sense that is like too much minutia for me to care about when I think about like these games in that way. I to be I think that I I, I and and I agree, I agree with you that like not everyone is trying to rerun Elden Ring thirty times and get to the point Just where go they're play Monster Hunter that, that they're perfect. Like with if it. you want to replay if these you want to replay the same boss, yeah. Um, yeah. and I think that not everyone is trying to get that, and that's fair. But you get your trick but weapons. And there everything. is something about it on the first try because I feel like and and. I think that you're you talking about like you know using the summing actions every once in a while when the boss got kind of like annoying you understood the the fight almost belies the real answer and that is that like maybe in a game where the boss was finer tuned and had better openings and was fairer and was an input reading you would have just done it without having so you're to summon saying this... that I don't have to get yeah, the game has to get I, better yes nice. th like I think that is that not a fair assumption is that not a fair thing to say like you I don't you're you're not bad at video games. I think that you what happened that. in these situations like I I think that is the exact problem that is being like on display there if you fought a boss for an hour and then you're like okay now I'm going to start summoning the summoning summoning ashes because I understand the boss's attacks. I understand what to do. I understand when you can maybe attack them. I understand like all these kind of things, mm -hmm. the intricate things. I understand what they do in phase 2, but you well, know, I'm getting you know, to the point I where I do think that the last boss of the game is fucking bull. Yeah. The last boss of the game is actually a bullet hell. Yeah. And you don't have a horse. And it's not only that, but like it's one of those things where you had to fight a boss before that and you're going into it with like limited resources after that. It's not super enjoyable. You can perfect that first fight. The first fight felt pretty fair against radagon he thing. he is one of the worst at input readings though like he will he will stand there for like a minute not doing anything and if you flask he'll like attack that uh it's it's one of the more like you can 
you can do that. That that is like a, a feasible boss to like not get that hit that much during. Um, but he is like really aggressive about just standing there and waiting until you put an input. At the end of the game, like the way that it ended up is it ended up like with my build and the way that it was set up, I needed to do like a series of perfect inputs in order to win where it was like, I need to beat Radagon and I need to have X amount of flasks. As soon as Radagon's dead, I need to pop uh, my wondrous physic. And then as soon as entering phase two, I need to uh, use the comet for this long hill reel. Then I have to run in and use bastard stars. He teleports across the screen. That's when I summon uh, the black knife. Uh, make sure the black knife is at full health. That's why you don't summon him in phase one. And it was like this whole long thing of that's how I finally beat the game. Because yeah, I actually like, had the same thing. I had a similar thing where it's like I had to have a certain amount of flasks for Radagon and a certain amount of flasks for that. And I had like set up for like, you know, when I would summon uh, Mimic Tear in that final fight because I actually, I think, or, or Luthal. I might have summon, started summoning Luthal in the final fight. But um, I, I started summoning again after, during the Elden Beast because it was like, this just is not great. Um, yeah. And then I played, uh, I, but I wanted to do like, it, it's also this thing of like, I got to the end of the game and then I was like, I was almost like, I'm annoyed enough at this boss that I could just fit, like, put this game down and not finish this. But I wanted to play the new game plus. Yeah. Uh, so I did it. I went into and, the new game plus too early. I kind of wanted to switch a build and I would have played yeah, it a little bit more I, if I could switch a build at the start. I also uh, picked up every boss weapon for a new game plus. But yeah. It is interesting when you consider uh, what New Game Plus is in this versus what New Game Plus is in any of these other games, uh, because so much of this game is like the open world and the discovery of it. Um, and if you're New Game Plusing, like, are you going to those dungeons again that you've already been to to get duplicates of items that you already have? Yeah, you're right. That might have like a plus one on it. Uh, when you know that like there is better content like in Stormvale Castle and in the Academy. I don't know. It's weird. This game is definitely uh, not Dark Souls 4. Yeah, I think isn't that also kind of the other thing where um, you and I have said, you know, the, the best parts about this game is that open world and exploration. And going back to it, you know, I, I don't think there is as many amazing boss fights as I would say that there were in Bloodborne or something like that, or maybe in, in Dark Souls 3 or 2. Um, so that is another difference of, of the, 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 the balance has shifted where seeing that game for the first time, seeing the sights for the first time, see, op you know, traversing the open world, um, you know, poking around and finding something is exciting. But would I want to do that again, you know, with the knowledge of it immediately? Like, definitely not. Whereas in, in Bloodborne, yeah, I did I, mean, I did load I'm, up into a New Game Plus and I'm play I'm looking forward Plus. to the VR, to the VR mod, you know? Who's not? Yeah. They're not going to love swinging a sword around in that. That's a thing, by the way. I know. The unofficial mod. Um, <laughs> also, that's gonna also be the, the endings fucking suck. The endings are, like, yeah, maybe the, the worst suck. endings in a video. Like, they're the endings are... In it, to, the endings remind me of what I hated about um, Deathloop, and that is like the ending is just like you know t a couple lines of dialogue. It's like there was problems, and now there will be more. And then some Can of them you guys are like, "Play the Outer Wilds. Figure out how to finish it. Yeah, right? figure out how to end a game. 
Make me cry during an ending. Figure out how to close a book on a game. Like, there, there is a big difference. There is such a big difference to those kind of things. And the endings didn't have to be... Like, it's, it's you know, it's it's a Souls game. Like, the ending doesn't have to be phenomenal. The ending doesn't have to be, like, a three-minute cutscene of, like, oh, what's Patches up to? Patches is, uh, you know, he's selling his wares in, in Stormvale. That would be a fun thing to, like... I want to know what Patches is up to. That would be kind of a cool thing if they would touch back on everything. I don't know if I talked about this, but as soon as I saw Patches in the game, I immediately... Uh, like, he, he, there's a lot of cool stuff that he does. Yeah, but there's a lot of cool things that, uh, I mean... He drops when he dies. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, the endings are so bad. The endings are the, the ending I got was so bad, and I explained this to you. I didn't explain this to the listeners. Maybe I did. Um, uh, I did everything for the Ron, the Rani, um, Rani uh, quest line, and yes. at the end, after you beat the Elden boss, like the Elden Beast, um, my heart is racing, and there is the uh, like corpse of Merica slash Radagon, um, and. You can go over there and it says like, you know, complete the Elden Ring. And then off to the side on the ground is a blue summon signal for getting the Rani ending. And you can get multiple endings. They're just on the ground that they look like a little summon sign. Yeah, I and think I had the Fia ending available to me. I had the Rani ending, but I got the most weird fucking ending where I found like the and mind you, I didn't look up like most things. So when I got to like the bottom of the world or the bottom of like Lindell and found like, Oh, you got the frenzy frenzy flame. Yeah. Okay. So I got the frenzied flame, but then I purified it. Okay. Because you could purify it with like the golden needle or whatever. Yeah. That part, like I did have to figure out like what the hell was going on with one character's quest line. What's her name? Millicent. Yeah. Because this game is rife with bullshit. This is, and I, th- I think I might have discussed this on the podcast already, but the worst quests of any yeah. game that you, I've ever played. Oh my god! Because because they, it's an open world game, so they don't know where you are or where you've been, and they will make part of a character's quest line behind you. Like you have to go backwards and go find the NPC, like out in the fucking world. Like, um, you know, and. And they have since changed this. Now the characters get like some markers on the map that move around. Yeah, that's a huge thing. Um, and it, it's a little you bit just better. Have to scan across the entire big fucking map. <laughs> it's a little bit better, but there's also some like arcane. There's it, 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 like it is the most arcane where there is there is no human being. This is impossible for me to imagine that someone on their first playthrough without any help, without any guide, without looking up things, it was able to like do. A lot of those stories like it's just impossible like without looking up that kind of stuff that my favorite character was this character Bach you find him early in, you didn't even find him um, you can find him, find him you can find him early in the game in um, Limgrave he is disguised as a tree and he starts yelling at you to like come over and help him and if you like roll into the tree or like hit the tree it it does undoes the illusion and he's a monkey and he was like I'm a guy I was turned into a monkey um, uh, I'm a seamster and uh, I could help you out and like tailor your clothes if I could find a needle. You you go. He tells you to go to the cave on the shore. You do that. He's basically dead. It's so sad. He re- he is like the only character in the game that is like his voice and his um like his you know demeanor really conveys to you that he is truly good and that he truly likes you and that he wants nothing to do with to harm you. Like Dark Souls games, a lot of characters are like. 
hey, you should go around this corner and uh, and take the shortcut. Ha, ha, ha. And you're like, do I trust you or not? Like, I don't know. It's so creepy that you just did that. But um, Bach the Seamster, he really, like, was really trying to help you. And I found him later in the game after, like, I did all this other stuff for his quest. And he, I found him in Landell. And he's like, I am so proud to you serve you. You are incredible. Like, I think you're really going to be the next Elden Lord. Um, can I call you that? And like, you're like, I, if you want to. And then he's like, wow, that means so much to me. Like my, my mom passed away, but I always wanted to be like a Royal tailor. And you know, this will honor her memory for me to like, uh, tailor your clothes. Um, and then there's an option where, uh, he says something where he's like, I was cursed, uh, as like this demigod or uh, like as to, to be like this monkey, basically, um, and I want to be reborn as like something that's not like a, as a human, something, you know, more noble, more like, like less of like a disgusting, like he hates what he is. Um, and you tell him like, you know, by the way, Renala uh, grants rebirth and I'll give you a larval tear to rebirth. And he's like, thank you so much. Uh, this is unbelievable. He starts crying. He's like, he doesn't have the words for it. He's like, I'm going to do go do that now. So you don't have to look at how disgusting I am. And then I went over to Renala and he's in like the truest like in in one of the most incredible like a, like a moment of like yeah that is probably how that would be um he's like he's like a naked human that is like sitting in his weird like monkey pose but he's like he can't talk to you and he looks like terrified and he's shaking so he's like you know he's become a human um and he's like too sentient or something and he's like yeah. he, he cannot deal with what it is to be a human and uh i couldn't figure out what to do and then he just dies um, and it, I found out that I was like, I, I was like, I guess that the game was telling me that like, oh, you, you tried to help him. It, it's like if imagining if you found a robot and you're like, yeah, you know, you, you're, you're basically conscious. Would you, what would it be like if I let you rebirth as a human? And then if the second they gained full sentience and like a, an organic body, they just like screamed and like had a panic attack until they had a heart attack and died. It's kind of almost like that. Um, but there is a way to continue, continue the quest, and you have to do, like, a prattling pate, like, uh, uh, good luck. You have to tell him he's beautiful. You have to tell him something. Like, you, using an item that you find in the game that says you're there's beautiful. There's, like, no fucking way that anyone but would do that. Did. Someone there's did. Someone did, but there's did, no fucking they, way. They felt so fucking smart. Somebody did, it. or they looked at the source code, because they it is on PC. So but that is fucking ridiculous. That is something where... Like, if with without without a guide or intervention, in ninety nine point nine infinitely repeating cases, Bach dies right there. Yeah, and the person like there's it's the fact that you, would you even have that item equipped or be using that or on you? Well, what or, does it matter if he lives or dies? Because he first of all, because he could tailor for you, and second of all, because he's my favorite character. I said. Yeah, but ultimately, there's no like uh, there's no gameplay for repercussions him. for him dying, right? Um, with the tailoring costs money, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but you know. And it's sad. He's my favorite character. I just, I, I the, he Keeping is him alive is an Easter egg. That is like a larger per. That is like a larger thing where that is maybe one of the worst examples of it. But for the rest of the quests, it felt like there's no fucking way I'm gonna figure these out. Like if I if I don't look them up, there's no way I'm gonna figure them out. And I didn't. And like I ended up basically like I barely figured out the Ronnie one. And I think it was mostly through your help. Like, I think, like, I would I would just kind of, like, ask, like, you know, should I be at here? Is there more to do here? And you'd be like, yeah, there's a little bit more to do. Maybe try checking out here, um, which is the best way. Um, you talked before 
there's a there's a streamer uh, I think it's like it's like Afro Senju, um, and I, I I don't I like I don't like this to just be like you know blow this person up, but um, he like all his videos are like you know Elden Ring Pro versus this thing you know whatever boss, and it really disappointed me to watch him um, because he reads what's gonna happen beforehand. So yeah. I, I, I watched I watched Elden Ring Pro versus Astiel. And I was like, this will be interesting to watch. And in the start of the video, he's like, oh, I'm going to go over here and I pick up the Ronnie doll and then I go sit at the campfire and then I go, um, you know, look at, talk to Ronnie. And it's like, you didn't even get to it. And you knew all. And like he he runs over to where the um, uh, uh, coffin thing is. Like he knows everything before it happens. And it's like, what is the purpose of this? You read it beforehand? Like, what is the purpose of this? Is it fun for... It, then it's even weirder because you as a Twitch viewer might be excited to be like, hey, look, like he's being surprised by this, you know, surprise aspect of the game. Or maybe you can tell him like, like, oh, you've been trying for 15 minutes. You have to grab the Ronnie doll and go sit at the bonfire. And that way he learns it. But the fact that he's like, you know, runs straight to it and then knows to what to do is like, I think kind of whack like that's a weird way to experience this game indeed yeah absolutely agree on that what a and yeah i think we've talked about this but very funny to just be uh like i i feel like it's like a joke or satire calling himself like a an elden ring i think he is because he's very bad he's like he's one of the classic like he he is one of those classic um like he, he he has like you know 24 almost 24 consecutive hour not consecutive uh like non-contiguous hours of uh non-consecutive contiguous doesn't work in this of of millennia attempts and he was like i don't know he, he might have eventually been able to do it but like he could not figure out fighting that boss and um so he's like not particularly good i think he might be joking but then he's kind of one of those streamers where as he's fighting he's like screaming a lot and overreacting I mean, to he's things a, he's a professional if he does it for a living right yeah like i mean he is that. a professional twitch streamer he's not a professional elden ring pro i guess because he's not you know that great at it but it it is like one of those things where you're watching him go whoa you can come over here yeah bitch i'm hitting you a lot uh, whoa yeah you just hurt me oh that hurts so much and it's like none of this is happening this should not be how people play video games i don't know why you're like you know reacting almost as if these things are physically happening to you um but i i just yeah i i think that there are a lot of ways in which i could think of this game getting better maybe it will get there it's a 10 out of 10 it's at a 10 out of 10 that could get it's a lot better. It's not the best game ever. It's not the best game ever. But they did a great job. I think Bloodborne remains my favorite some FromSoft game. Not that interesting. Yeah. I, I just think Bloodborne is a more complete, like, like this is a 10 out of 10 because it's doing so many cool things, and I think it's shifted that focus onto the exploration, and, like, the world is amazing, and the exploration's amazing. But I still think that, like, the, the, the boss balance, some of the stuff is, like, the builds are really disincentivized to trying new things. Um, in a way that like in Bloodborne I did try a lot more of the um, weapons and I also think the weapons were way more fun in Bloodborne there's way less of them but I I, for as many weapons as there are in this game there are very few that are even remotely good Um, even of the like higher end specially magic kind of like boss weapons there are very few that are like actually good Um, a lot of them are really slow reading or watching or yes based on yeah based on what i'm reading or like weapon tier lists and stuff like that there are very few a lot of them just are too slow uh you know don't work in in a lot of cases they're they're like you know too slow too Too stinky um where they just 
the the weapon balance just feels way off. I, I cannot imagine a game where uh, this game where people are switching weapons a lot. It feels like for most builds, like you kind of get something that's pretty good and you stick to it for a really long time, and like you're not really having that experience. And also because it is an open world, you do like end up going backwards or like finding things out of order where it's like, okay, you know, this thing just doesn't seem good at all. I, if maybe you would find like a regular rapier and want to play with that for a little while. But if you've passed the point in the game where you'd maybe use it, it's like, it's useless. It's like not interesting to have it. And I think most weapons in the game kind of fall under that category of like, there's very few effective weapons and there's a lot of weapons that are like, you could use them, but there's basically no incentive to, there's no reason why they're too slow. They're not good. I didn't really think about it that way. I just, I picked up every weapon that my builds could use and I played around with it for a bit. Um, and I switched weapons a lot. Like, I never used, like, a lot of the popular weapons. I don't even know what the popular weapons are uh, because, yeah, I just didn't look. I, even after beating the game, like, I just didn't look that kind of stuff up. I'm never interested in these games beyond the point of playing them. I, I think that I watched, I didn't even watch the speedrun for this. I think I've watched, like, the Bloodborne speedrun, the Dark Souls 2 speedrun, and, like, that's it. The speedrun is, like, whack because they're, like, jumping all over the world. They're, yeah. like, five-minute speedruns where they're, like, not doing the bosses. Yeah, but I feel like every weapon that my build could use I picked up, and I don't know. I, I thought they were fun. Uh, I didn't really think about whether they were, like, good or bad, but sometimes I would just, like, use the unique weapon art, and I'd be like, oh, shit, that feels cool. I have no idea where, like, the weapons that I ended up liking would fall on a team. Uh, I assume that they're probably not good, but I, I I really don't have the uh like the spectrum of knowledge to know. You wanna take us home? That's a lot um, of Elden Ring. Yeah, it's too Unless much. You have for something me. Else. Too much Elden Ring for me. Um now I don't have to play New Game Plus. I feel like I just played it again. This is WTDG Podcast. Uh you can find us online at WTDGpodcast.com where you could access the archive of old episodes. Uh, if you follow us on Twitter at sign WTDG podcast, you could receive notifications about when new shows go live. And you can also follow or subscribe to the show on Spotify, iTunes, or your favorite app. Thank you, Ryan Galloway and Bumper, for the use of your music. We use the intro and outro. Uh, you can get it off the new album, Pop Songs 2020. You can get it. You can get it. Um, you can find them at uh, YouTube where you can find links to all their merch. I own their shirt and their record. Nice. And, um, uh, we just don't have it yet, I guess. Or um, try finger butthole. I'll leave you on that. Be with you. Yeah.